right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are in, we are in, we are in. Welcome to Coffee and Call Sheets. I'm BC. And I'm Spoon. And today we have the lovely, the talented, the very smart Mercer Arsenault. Yeah. You might not see it, but she has a really cool hat. Yeah, <laughs> she does have a really cool hat. Um, Merce, uh, I've known Merce, I think, since 98. We, uh, we worked on, the very first time I met her, we worked on this uh, movie called Three Strikes, DJ Poo directed. Um, Merce is a makeup artist. She's been a uh, department head, key, personal. Before we get into that, I wanted to talk about a little something that I think we all experience, those of us who work in the film industry, and, and really, I think everybody experiences this, how you live your life, how do you build your life, your sort of work-life balance, um, it's always going to be mitigated by whatever it is that you do. So Exactly. So, you know, if you, if you, if you work in... I don't know, the oil industry, you know, you're probably going to live in certain places. You might li- live in Texas or Alaska, Alaska you Oklahoma, know. Yeah. wherever there's big, you know, wherever there's a, a large oil reserve. Right, right. And and so Dakotas. The, so the life sort of the the lifestyle or the um, your cost of living, it's it, you're going to you're going to have certain types of homes that you have available, you're going to have certain types of amenities that you're going to have available to you. Um Working in the film industry, it's different. You know, yes, very you, much so. You know, the the places where production is really happening. I mean, granted, productions happen all over the country, but primarily it's Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Chicago um, New Orleans, yeah. Louisiana, which well, is like Louisiana. But you're getting into the smaller markets yeah. there when you're yeah, talking yeah. about like North Carolina, right, Louisiana, exactly. yeah. New, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, well, New Mexico... I, New yeah. Mexico's come up. They're, they've come up, but it's still a, a smaller market. It's a smaller market. Yeah. It's a smaller market than Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I I don't. I could be wrong. I don't know the numbers, but I I would guess it's still a little smaller than Chicago. Yes. Uh, what? Um, yes. New Mexico. Still, New Mexico. Yes, definitely. But you know, for me, my own personal experience, and and I'd be curious to hear what what, what you think, Spoon. But my own personal experience, and. Part of me doesn't always consider reality TV as part of the film industry, but it is part of the TV it's industry. Entertainment. Yes. Yeah. And, and I worked on a lot of reality TV shows um, for several years before I got into the scripted side of things. And when I worked on those shows, I was I pretty much spent half the year usually out of town. Right. I was very often in Alaska. I did a lot, two different shows, Yukon Men and Life Below Zero in Alaska. Really? Yeah. I, I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. You lying. No. You didn't know that I worked on those shows? No. Okay, whatever. I, I, think I, I knew that you worked in Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> How long have I known you? And you don't know that I know this, <laughs> exactly. that I've done this? That's what, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what, the one thing I love about our show is we find out the you know we find out the lifestyles of our friends and our coworkers that you really do. I mean there's certain things that I I didn't know that so yeah no I I literally I lived in what was it it was like a 
it was a community center that wasn't being used anymore. Mm -hmm. So they built like a few cubicles in a back room and then they had a few other rooms. So we basically created like seven sleeping spaces and we had a crew of about seven of us. And um, yeah, we spent five, six, seven months there shooting a reality show from like the dead of winter when it was like Ooh. negative 20 degrees God. on a given day. Dang it. And um, anyway, you know, it had me coming and going in and out of L.A. Um, right. I did a few reality shows that took me like all over the country. Like it was more of a traveling show. You know, it was like we'd go from one city to the next to the next. But how do you manage all of that? Like I think about, I think about like I got a cousin who, you know, he was like a trucker. He was sometimes spending weeks doing, I think, truck routes in Texas, but he lived in Michigan. And I had another friend of mine who was an electrician in Florida, um, you know, like doing the lines, the electrical lines. Oh, wow. Whenever there was hurricanes, he'd go all over the state of Florida and sometimes Houston or Louisiana or wherever there were other hurricanes. Usually he did a lot of like disaster relief, getting the, the power lines back up. And that was just the way he managed his life. Right. Even though he lived in Miami. Right, right. Now, did he have did he have family? Yeah, he had a couple of kids, but you know, and and his life was his base of operations was in Miami. Right. But he was constantly traveling road, for work, right. and I think that that's kind of counter to our expectations of a stable life. Right. Right. Exactly. For me, I I I like I like going out of town. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the. Uh, just be, you know, honest. The money's better. Yeah. yeah. The money's good. You know, you get your housing allowance, you get your per diem, and you get your out-of-town fee. So the money is better. Uh, but it's not always about the money. <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you probably wouldn't do it if there wasn't if the, a difference if, in Exactly. Pay. That's that's exactly right. Because the thing is, is like you, you're going into a new town, you're going into a new place, and you've got to try to figure out how to adjust. You know what I mean? Because it's like you, you're not there long enough to really get to know what's the people, and you know you're still working the crazy hours. You know, but um, trying to adjust to being in a new place and trying to trying to adjust to the to the freeways and to the restaurants. Well, you're a stranger in a strange land. Exactly. And so what you have to do is, and you know, you don't have your friends, you know, like, hey, let's go and have a drink. So mm -hmm. what happens is you're, the, the crew members become much closer. Right. Even though we're close on set here, we spend 12 to 15 hours. Now it's like, oh, we're, not only are we spending 12 to 15 hours, we're also spending time outside of work yeah. together. So the thing about it is, once again, you have to figure, you got to kind of figure out your new lifestyle because it is a new lifestyle because you're out of town. Yeah. And what you, <laughs> you got to really understand, it's location, not vacation. Because <laughs> I, I did some dumb things on my first location job. Um, I was staying in a hotel. I was on Beverly Hills Cop 3. And uh, I remember I shared a room, and, and I don't know how that even came about, but I shared a room with, like, an additional AD. I was a PA. 
And I can remember him telling me, yo, man, this is location, not vacation. And I'm like, man, be quiet. I don't tell I'm doing. Shit, I'm going to have a good time going out. How old are you? I was like, (laughs) he might even been younger than me. (laughs) But, you know, it was like, I'm on location. Shit, this is the shit. Right. Right? I was a Beverly Hills Cop 3. We're shooting at um, Paramount's Great America. And uh, I fucking get home late one night, drunk, right, and uh, passed out. Now, I'm supposed to be at work at 7. I, I didn't say too late, but I was buzzed. So I, I got home maybe 2 o'clock, right? So yeah, I mean, like I, it wasn't like, five yeah. Hours? Yeah, exactly, but still, five hours, you're buzzed, new town. This is before, you know, the smartphone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and what I had was, you know, you have the, the hotel bring you. Right. So... I slept through. The, I slept through the hotel. Right. I'm supposed you to be at work. Through, you slept through the alarm. I slept through the alarm. So I wake up and it's. I'm supposed to be at work at seven. I wake up. It's six forty-five. There's no way I'm going to be able to get. I'm going to be able to get to work on time. You're not going to get out of the hotel It'll, in fifteen minutes. Exactly. <laughs> so um, the the ad he had left. Hmm. Didn't wake me up. Right. Once again, location, not, not vacation, vacation. Right. So now I'm racing down. I get all, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting all my stuff together. So I gotta go down, catch a, catch a van, get over to set, and it's about a 15 minute drive. So by the time I get out of, out, out of the hotel, it's 7:05, right? I'm already five minutes late. So then, as I'm going down to get onto the, uh, get onto the van, some older white lady walks up to me with her keys, her Mercedes. It was like. Yeah, so here you go. And I'm like, if I was like really funky, <laughs> I could have just took the car, taken it over there, dropped it off. She would have never known. She's left it. Exactly. Left it at curb parking. There were no cameras. Exactly. There were cameras or anything like that. And I just, I just, you know, I felt like, okay, all right. No, I'm not the valet, ma'am. So I jump on the van. I get over there. And uh, if uh, Albert Cho ever hears this, he's going to be like, I knew it. I knew it. And I get I, right when I get to set, or not even, I'm not even on set yet. I, I get into base camp, right? I got to put my my headset on. I got to get all my stuff going. And I hear him, "Hey, Spoon, where you at?" I was like, "Oh, I'm uh, jumping on a van on my way to set." <laughs> and I had literally just gotten there. So, well, I mean, one of the things that I'm thinking about also is it's not even so much how to adjust your sort of daily approach to how do you get through the day or how do you get through the project? You know, the way that the industry is set up and, the you know, these these particular production centers, particularly Los Angeles or New York, right. where the cost of living is way, way more expensive. Yeah. You know, like I know one guy who um, works in special effects. He's originally from... I th- want to say like Tennessee, somewhere in the South. And he just knew that he and his wife and his kids, um, I think he got started in the industry uh, in the Southeast and he knew he wasn't going to live in LA, but he works here. Right. He, so he lives up, I don't know the name of the place. It's a long, it's a s- small town along the uh, Angeles Crest Highway. Oh, okay. I can't but remember. But that's still, that's still L.A. It's, I mean, it's n- still in L.A. County. Right, right, right. But right, literally, right. I mean, during the winter, he can't, that road closes. So he can't come the quickest route. 
he has to like go down into Riverside County and then come down the 215. Ooh. So he basically gets, you know, goes out to way past Pomona, comes down out of the mountains, and then comes in. He tells me he, he, to get to like Paramount, we worked on a show on Paramount, he took him like two hours to get to work. But he made that quality of life decision to live out there. Right. And, and everybody has to, I think, negotiate that. I, I would dare say that the way our industry is going with the rise of other production centers like New Mexico, like Atlanta, um, that we're seeing productions move out there, taking away work from LA and enticing more and more creative people, creative crafts people, people who work in our industry to be like, you know what? I don't need to work in LA. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can. You just have to make sure that you're good enough. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. If you live outside of L.A. and your your production center is L.A., you just have to make sure you can be able to get into the city. Either you're renting a place or you're staying with somebody or you have a place here. And that makes it simple. Um what I was talking about, like when you leave, like mm-hmm. you know, they take you from LA or they take you from yeah. someplace else and put you up. Those are, you know, like I, I hate staying in hotels. Oh God, I hate it. Because first of all, I don't want anybody coming into my room, clean up every day, because my room's a mess. And I'm like, I don't want you that, going through my shit. That's what do not disturb signs are for. Exactly. But then I get tired of living in that fucking mess. Well, in that one bedroom. And that's the reason why you take the do not disturb <laughs> sign off once or twice nah, a week. I don't want it. I've done, believe me, I've, I've, I've lived in <laughs> hotels on the road. Right. So I know the drill. Right, right, exactly. So for me, I want to be as comfortable as I possibly can. So now... For me, it is more like now I'm out of town, so I want the home feeling, right? I want to be in my own spot. I don't want someone to be—I don't want to have to be next door to someone and they just knock on my door. It's like like you know, like when you stay in the hotel, it's like one big dorm and everybody's there. I don't want anybody knocking on my door. <laughs> Call me. You know, right. Spoon, we're going out, man. Come on. No, motherfucker, I'm not going out. <laughs> Call me to see if I want to come and hang out with you. And that's not to say I don't, but maybe I just don't want at that time. Yeah, I think there's the comfort zone that we all have, the, having our own space at home. Um, and beyond sort of being drawn out of state for work, um, taking those opportunities and being on the road. There's also that element of, you know, like when we work here in LA, it's like a snowfall, perfect example. Or, or, uh, I remember when I worked on shameless, you know, it's Did you ever not work Chicago on, with him. No, I didn't get to go to Chicago with them many times. I only worked with them for about four seasons, um, and a few of them were just sort of like day playing. So I didn't really get the opportunity to go there. Um, I wasn't uh, in the DGA either to kind of get that, right. get those days. But, um, you know, it wasn't unheard of for us to do, you know, two 
location moves in a day. Oh. You know? And Come like on, just now. constantly moving. It's right. like, I mean, I mean, how many times sometimes do we move move, a snowfall? Sometimes Three, moving. Four times a day? Sometimes moving base camp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my, this that's my point is like we, you and I work very often. And I think a lot of people work very often in LA where you're going out and you're, you're going to all these different locations. It's not like you're just showing up to the stage every day, five days a week, and just standing in an air-conditioned, you know, soundstage. Right. I haven't gotten it good that way because there, there are those jobs out there. Yes. For example, Fritz. You know, he does a lot of sitcoms. And sitcoms rarely leave. Yeah, I mean, I was working a pilot that was, like, right next door to Ellen. Yeah. Uh, or our base camp was right next door to Ellen at, at Warner Brothers, and it was, like, five days a week. Yeah, Conan was over there. Yeah, these guys are just sitting up on the stage. Yeah, exactly. Well, ER, ER rarely left. Right. You know what I mean? And if and if you do go, you just go to the back lot. And those are good. That's when you. I think when you get on those shows, and if you can do a little run, like Connie. Connie talked about to us. She did a few a handful of years. You get on that nice little run. I don't want to call it a nice quote unquote cushy job, but that's it's not. It's yeah, it's not cushy. But definitely, it's not. You it's know, comfortable. It's comfortable. It's not like go, you know, snowfall where we're like, all right, we're gonna be in South Central. Then we're gonna go to, to Hollywood. Then we're gonna go, and back. then we're going to San Pedro, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll all end up back uh, at the Snowfall Campus. <laughs> <laughs> and we want that all done in ten and a half hours. Oh my God! Yes, uh, yes. You're giving me freaking flashbacks. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, today we're going to talk to Merce. Yeah, Merce is, uh, Merce is great. Um, like I mentioned earlier, she's been a department head, um, a personal, a key, uh, a department head. I know she department headed uh, Coming to America too. She's a personal for Channing Tatum. Uh, she's been a personal for The Rock, Kevin Hart. She's done a lot in the industry. She's been going for quite a while now. Yes, she has. So we're going to talk to Merce, see what she's got to say, yeah. and uh, sit back. There we go. Merce Arshina. Thank you for playing ball. Of course. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Thank you. Merce. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Coffee and Call Sheets. I like the name. <laughs> Why? Do you start off with coffee in the morning? I do. Nespresso at nice. home. Make my own. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, you make your own coffee before you come yes. in? Yes. Oh, she's like me. Yeah. Yes. Just do it too. He's like, makes his own coffee. Got the, uh, the steamer for the milk. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. The yeah. whole thing. You do it all. I just <laughs> do yeah. black coffee. Oh, no. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> got to be sweet. It's kind of like my, my coffee looks like, would you like some coffee with your milk? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. A little bitters in there. A little cinnamon. Very light. Oh, very wow. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Merce. Yeah. So, so you and I, we've known each other for a while. Uh, 97? We met on what? Um, three Strikes. Three Strikes. Yeah. DJ Pooh, one of my DJ favorite Pooh, yes. people in the world. So what was the last uh, show, considering um, our unwanted 
work stoppage. What was the last show you've been you've been working on? My last project I wrapped March the sixth was Project Artemis. It's a film for Apple TV, and I was personal to Channing Tatum, who was lovely, and Scarlett Johansson um, was a star, the both of them, and she was amazing. You know, um, like our first week of shooting. We got, you know, you load in and everything. But our first week of shooting, she was like invited everybody to come. She's like, oh, I got, I rented out this dive bar and I just wanted, you know, to invite the crew down for drinks. Oh, nice. Nothing about it was dive. It was like a really nice bar. <laughs> <laughs> you walked downstairs to get, you dove down the stairs and you were like, oh my God. It was like this really cool craft cocktail bar, you know, and you they served. No, this was in um, Savannah. We were in Savannah. Georgia. You were down in Slovenia. We were in Slovenia for a minute, <laughs> and um, and then we went back to Atlanta. Um, and food, every, she paid for everything. Nice. Just ordered food, you could whatever you wanted, you know. And it was this really cool bar, and it was just, and you know every you know crew. <laughs> Certain Stuff members that were just right. there all night, <laughs> you know. Like, what? Right. <laughs> I love you, Scarlett. <laughs> Motherfucker, just be on time with the work tomorrow. <laughs> right. And that was what, so, the first week of production? The first week of production. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Very she nice. was just, you know, we had a really generous, nice. And then our director, Greg Bellanti, was also amazing. Around Christmas time, he did, um, you know how they do the bucket, $5 uh -huh. bucket? Right, so right. he did his own bucket oh, right wow. before we wrapped for Christmas. So he had, like, gift cards that he was... So my name got pulled. My name never gets pulled. My name <laughs> got pulled, and I wasn't even there. Right. So somebody handed me this gift card. It was $1,000. And then he turned around and gave me a wrap gift card for $500. Wow. But he's also the guy that, you know, his deal got cut, you know, because a lot of these uh, yeah, people yeah, were getting yeah, their exactly. deals cut right. by studios. And he gave away a half a million dollars to people that worked with him and oh. under him. Yep. That's a cool thing. Yep. That's a good deal. When I say a nice man, I mean a really nice man. He got a really nice rap gift for me, too. Nice. Um, and he was so sweet when I gave it to him. He was like, you didn't have to do that. Um, he's like, for two, three, like two and a half days, he kept thanking me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding? You're like the nicest man ever. Right, You right. know, like, so, yeah, I would work with him in a heartbeat. All right, so let's take it back. Let's take it way back. What got you into this business? Uh, my mother. She was uh, my first influence. Okay. You know, my mother was very into skincare and beauty. And, you know, she was a very attractive woman who dressed really well and um, just took really good care of herself. And I used to always sit and watch her. And she would pull me in and, you know, show me what she was doing. I was always asking questions and stuff. And, you know, and um, in her younger days, you know, she kind of modeled too, but it was more beauty pageants. And she was in Jet Magazine a couple of times. Like, she even has a picture of her with, remember Adam 12? Yeah. With Martin Milner? Like, she's sitting at a table with these two white men. And I'm like, what are you doing with them? You know, and so he's one of the guys that was sitting at the table. And so I have some really cool black and white pictures of her hanging in my house of when she was, you know, doing her thing. So, so your mom was a model? Mm-hmm. And where'd you grow up? Los Angeles, born and raised, yeah. My mother grew up on um, 37th and Western, and then my parents bought a house right off of uh, 70th and Gramercy, oh. which is off of Florence. Yeah, I grew I, um, I, I lived on 70th and Normandy. Okay, you yeah. were right down the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which street? Like, you were on 70th? Right there on 70th. In wow. Yeah. That's, that's why I used to go 
Now, now where'd you go to school? I went to Crenshaw. Okay. Yeah, you went where? St. Mary's Academy. Did you play sports? Oh, big time. What did you yeah. Play? I played basketball and volleyball, ran oh, track, nice. um, tennis. Like, I was super athletic. Wow. Yeah, I started, I started sports in elementary school. Right, right, right. And then really basketball and volleyball were my two favorite sports in high school. Did you go into modeling like your mom? I was modeling at 15. My mom took me to my first modeling audition, and, um, and I wound up getting picked to be a part of this little modeling troupe. And I was the youngest in the troupe, you know, and um, so it was really fun. You know, everybody was kind of like 19, between 19 and probably 25, I'd say. Everybody was grown up. Oh, I was okay, kind of the, right, young, yeah. the young, tall, skinny girl. But, you know, so I learned a lot from them. And, um, but I still kind of had my own flavor, you know, and because um, I practiced. I went to um, etiquette school when I was young. My mother sent me to etiquette school, and I loved that. And you learn how to walk and stand, your know, posture, which I'm still slouching now. <laughs> um, you know, all of the things etiquette, you know, you learn. So that was, that was a favorite part of growing up. Even though I was a tomboy the whole time, really, to be honest with you, because I was the oldest of four brothers, and I have one sister. Oh, wow. And my sister was kind of the girly, girly girl where I was more like, you know, tomboy. So I was always playing sports with my brothers and total tomboy. Yeah. I'm talking tackle football. Get out of here. I'm talking, yeah, no, basketball, right. like, you know, yeah, no, my brother and I were close, so I was friends with, and one of my best friends, she had brothers that were friends with my brother, so we would always try to do stuff together, and um, and we always wound up being with the boys. That is amazing how you were able to balance both those worlds, the yeah. etiquette, yep. the girly girl world at the same time, it's like, I'll whoop your ass <laughs> <laughs> with the boys. So I'm like, don't let the light skin fool you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, you know, and that's the thing. I had, I had both, I had a balance in my house because my dad was super strong. My mother was super strong too, but also very feminine and very loving and affectionate, you know. Right. My dad was a lot on the dictator side, you know, so we were like, ugh. Right. You know, right. he softened up now in his older age, but yeah, being the oldest, he was really tough on me. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so. I know how that is. My stepfather was Marine. You mm. should yell at us at attention. Right. <laughs> like, hey, bro. Damn. <laughs> yeah, he was very much the, uh, yeah. the the yelling at attention type of guy. But I mean, yeah. very cool, but I wouldn't be who I It's true. Today. Yeah. It's true. And right. I, I get bothered sometimes by, you know, this soft parenting that's happening now. And I'm like, oh, so you can't ever, like, grab your kid or spank your kid or, like, I'm like, I mean, sure. I didn't get a lot of spankings because I was a good kid, but right. my brother's... You know, a couple of them got some spankings, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. they were hard-headed. Yeah. So, but then they didn't, you know? It's like, so I don't, I don't get it, yeah. like, you know, and they're, they're yeah, fine. Man. My parents, if they had the Dr. Spock book, it was thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't read, it was thrown. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I appreciate my upbringing all the time. I really do. Like mm. the, the, you know, the discipline, yeah. the punishments. Yeah. Like you're not going, yeah. you know. Yeah. You did this, you're not going. I'd be like, oh my God. Right. So, you know, and um, and I think that plays over into, and then me having to have a job. By the time I was 16, I had a job, you know, like right. just the work ethic that was instilled in us early. So you were modeling. How long did you model for? I probably modeled from age 15, and I would say probably around 25, 26, I decided, you know what, enough of this. This is not really going anywhere. You know what I mean? It was like, I gave it like a good 10 years, 15, not 10, 12 years, I'm going to say. Because, you know, at 25, you're kind of old. 
oh, in really? the modeling world. You know, they want you young. That seems a little... Yeah, exactly. Kate, I think <laughs> Kate Moss started at 12. I think wow. Kate Moss and, was 12 when she started. And uh, Brooke Shields, right? Yeah, Brooke Shields was very young. Yep. So I'm sure she's nice. got stories. Trust me. There was a lot of uh, all of the Me Too stuff. I've yeah. experienced some Me Too stuff, you know, right. back in the day. Imagine. And you're just like, what? You know, thank God nothing happened. Right. But the fact that I was even, you know, it put myself in that situation not realizing what I was doing because you're right. young, yeah, you know, young. you're yeah. naive. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, you're and, thinking, you know, when you have some you're grown thinking. person, you know, trying to tell you to do something and you're like, wait, wait, but thank God that I had the upbringing that I had right. and I knew that I could, hell no, I'm not doing that. Sure. You know what I mean? Were your parents supportive of you working in the modeling industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. My mom and dad were supportive of anything that we did, you know, and, but, you know, I had a job while I was modeling, you know, 15, 16, no, you know, I mean, I was still in school when right. I started. So by the time I decided, because my parents moved out of the city and decided to move to West Covina. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So from 70th and Gramercy, because right, right around... Right after I graduated from high school, it started getting a little crazy over there. The crack yeah, thing had started, and it was starting to get a little sketchy over right. in our area right, and right. with the drugs and stuff, yeah. and, you know. So my parents was like, yeah, we got to get out of here because they still had three boys to raise. Right. And um, so my father finds his house in West Covina. I'm like, I'm not living out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, like anyway, I didn't stay there long because I wound up, I literally was a little, my dad called me a gypsy. He's like, oh, the gypsy's home. You know, because I would pack my bag and be gone. I stay at friend's place here and there. I really was bouncing around a lot, right, right. you know, because I wanted to model and I wanted, I had to find a job and, you know, because my parents couldn't afford to support me. I didn't have a car till I was like 27, wow. 28. Yeah. Like I was really like. In L.A.? In L.A., I was on the bus forever or friends RTD. picking me up. Yeah, like, you know, and I had to get my own car, Yeah, you know, and uh, so it was not. Uh, but you appreciated that. I did. Yeah. I did. When I finally got a car that worked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first car was a Volkswagen. I think I paid like 600 bucks for it. That thing lasted like a couple of months. So you, you said, I'm not staying in West, West Covina. Covina. Nope. And so you come back to L.A., did you model anyplace else? Oh, yeah. Um, I wound yeah. up leaving uh -huh. L.A., getting an opportunity to go to Chicago. My parents didn't want me to go to Chicago. They were <laughs> like, oh, God, no, because, you know, I, my girlfriend was there modeling. And I was like, oh, please, let me go, let me go. And so we had, I had an aunt there on the south side, so there was this nervous energy about me, my, mainly from my mom, you know, about me going to Chicago. Right. And so... Um, but she trusted me, you know, and my dad was like, yeah, you know, well, let's let her go. And I get to Chicago. Nothing really happened in Chicago. But my other girlfriend, who was also modeling, um, was in New York. Tell my parents, and they're just like, oh, Jesus, now she wants to go to New York. Please be careful. You know, and I was like, I will, I will. You know, so I had a very small suitcase with me because I literally was going to Chicago for a short period. But now yeah. I'm jumping over to go to New York. And um, like I'm some jet setter and I'm not at all. <laughs> and uh, so get to New York, land in Harlem where my girlfriend was staying. I just was like, oh, my God, I want to stay here. You know, it was fabulous. It was May. It was like hot. All these people everywhere, black folks, you know, it was just was like it was everything. So I wound up staying in New York for a year. But while I was there, I wasn't supposed to stay that long. And um my dad got this letter in the mail in L.A. He didn't want to send it to me. 
And but he decided that he would send it to me because he knew modeling was what I really wanted to do. And it was um, a modeling competition that was happening in New York. And I just so happened to be there. Long story short, I wound up winning this competition. Oh, nice. First place. And my boyfriend, who decided he was also a model, he decided to fly out and, you know, hang out with me in New York and also enter the competition. And uh, the gentleman who put the competition on was so impressed with both of us. My my guy got second runner up, but he was like, I'm going to send both you guys overseas because that was part of it. It was oh, a wow. cash prize. Right. And then there was an airplane ticket to go overseas. So we went overseas together and um, landed in Paris first. Nightmare, you know, <laughs> like nobody spoke English. Nobody, none of us spoke French, <laughs> you know. And um, so we wound up getting, there was a strike. Oh, wow. Like an airline strike. bus strike. <laughs> I mean, sorry, airline, I mean, bus and train strike. Only the buses were running. Wow. So we had to wind up getting on a bus. We had too much luggage with us. So we're lugging all this luggage, you know, and we meet this really cool guy that looked like Sean Penn. And they were, they were so nice. They helped us get um, on the bus and got us to a hostel because we didn't know where we were going in Italy. We were right. like, you know, where we're are just, we going? Right. Like, we were just, you know, like kids. And nothing, you know, it was all safe and cool and fun, you know, and um, and my, my boyfriend wound up taking off, his career wound up taking off way more than mine did, oh, you wow. know, which was... I was kind of happy but sad at the same time right. and so I came back home and um, a little jilted you know that I didn't that it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen right. but then I decided to go back again um, maybe four years later and I went back again this time by myself back to Italy back to Italy yeah and um, and this time I had an agency. Uh, I had an apartment. You know, oh, in Italy. Oh, no. in Italy. Yeah, because the the, oh, the and the guys who own the agency were like super cool, and they just kind of took me under their wing. Like, didn't try anything. They just right. thought I was a nice girl. You know, I had the apartment because normally even models' apartment there are other people in there. Nobody right. was there but oh, me. Wow. So I had this whole really cool apartment to myself, and they were taking me out every night. Like, just come hang out with us. You know, and these are like grown men, <laughs> like with money though. And I was right. like, I'm coming. You <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm coming. And uh, so it was fun. We had a good time. You know, it was it was a great time for me. And, um, you know, I would do go-sees and all that stuff, but nothing really, you know. It's a go-see. A go-see is like an audition. You walk okay. in, they look at you and decide if they want to hire you to do something, you know, whatever is fashion show or, you know, catalog work, whatever. It was a lot of that. And, it, again, it was really just more fun for me. And how long were you there? A month. I oh. stayed a month this time. Nice. Yeah. What were the challenges that you had to face while you were, because it sounds like it didn't really take off, like you said before, the first time you were there, it didn't yeah. take off the way you wanted it to. Second time around, you were only there for a month. So what were some of the challenges you had to face in getting that modeling career going? Well, my skin tone for one, you know, it's like, what are you, white? Are you black? I wasn't white enough. I wasn't black enough. You know, so that really was the biggest challenge for me wow. back then. So, and this is what like late '80s. When I first time I went was late '80s, and then when I went back was like early '90s. Okay. Yep. So it was still that same. You know, Iman was like the superstar. You know, and there right. was one light skin model, runway model that was you know like had, was the exception to the every rule because she was so great. Her name was Pat Cleveland, and she was also a huge idol of mine. And very inspirational for me, one, to even want to get into runway modeling. Because I was into runway modeling. I wasn't into print. And um, so it was just tough, 
you know, to go into these agencies and, you know, and on these auditions and you just didn't have any luck, you know, but I still had fun. But it was like, okay, do I really want to model? Like, this is maybe just not my time, you know? And I finally, when I came back home at like 26, I think, 27, I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to do something else. I got to figure something else out. But I started makeup um, in Orange County. I moved, I left LA. I was working downtown as a secretary because I was a secretary for a number of years. And people don't know that, you know, and that's why I think as a creative, you know, I have such a good business sense. Like, I don't really need an agent, but you do when you get to a certain level because you just, so much stuff is going on and you need help. But I have a great business sense of, you know, being able to do the business part of our business because some creative people are just not good at it. Right, right. And um, so I felt like my executive experience really helped. So you were a secretary and, and a executive assistant over mm-hmm. those same 10 years that you were modeling? Mm-hmm. Oh, I worked wow. downtown L.A. Um, I had a few jobs downtown L.A. I was just always bouncing around because I was like, I don't like it here. <laughs> 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 and I'd be like, I got to find another job. <laughs> and so my last, last, last job was at Transamerica. And I worked on the top floor with, and I was secretary to two executives. And, you know, I liked the job, but I didn't like the job. And I had met a guy and he was at Irvine, and I was like, okay. We were trying to see each other. It was kind of tough. I had a car at that point. And, um, a real car. A real car at that <laughs> point. I was kind of functioning now in life. And, um, but after three weeks of going from Orange County, when I moved down there, to get to downtown L.A., I was like, Ooh. I can't do this for three weeks. Like, this is killing me. So I gave notice, and I quit. And then I decided I got to find a job, so I walked across the street to South Coast Plaza. And just started doing cold calling and um, I had made a resume and everything and why I'm getting hired at Saks Fifth Avenue in the makeup department so I didn't wasn't looking to work anywhere else you know and um, in any other department in the store and then that kind of took off for me the makeup but I knew I didn't want to work in the counter but I tell people who want to be in this business if you want to really be in this business go and work behind a counter first because that's like real experience one with people because what do we do we work with people every day different personalities, different skin tones, like all of that. It's like, it's great homework, you know, to really go and work with the public. Wow. You know, on top of being able to build your makeup kit, you know, as you're working in that store. Right. You know, you're learning about product and, you know, dealing with the public. So I left there and um, I worked there a year and then decided I wanted to work for Mac and got a job at Mac, um, left Orange County, moved back to L.A. and um, worked for Mac for about a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and kind of the makeup thing kind of just, I really just fell into it. I had no plan. Right. It wasn't like I went to school for it or, you know, but I was always creative anyway. I was always a creative person. And um, so. you already, And you already had that foundation with kind of coming up with your mom. Yeah. And, and modeling. Know. Yeah. I was getting made up all the time by other makeup artists. And so I also learned watching. When I learned stuff, I really learned by watching other people, nine right. times out of ten, outside of education. Um, so it was kind of, and I find that most makeup artists are either art majors. Most of the, the great makeup artists, to me, are either art majors. A lot of them, some did go to art school. Um, a lot didn't. A lot are just natural creatives, yeah. you know. And because um, makeup school is cool, too, to go to, you know, if, if that's, I just didn't 
go that route. Right. You know, and I was lucky that I kind of already, because I used to do makeup on all my friends anyway. Right, right. Back in the day, I thought I was a makeup artist anyway when I was young. You know, so. Yeah, because your mom does. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me show you. Yes, everybody thought I was a makeup artist. So, you know, it was like, it it kind of just kind of, you know, it was a natural transition for me. And it took off as a career. It's something that I just did not plan. Right. And um, so when I left there, you know, I had very little money saved. You know, I had an apartment and a car, and I was like, you know what, I just don't want to do this anymore. I really want to, like, work on my own. And I was just inspired by a lot of makeup people coming in. They were buying. You could do it. You would talk. You, What were you doing? Yeah. You know, and you find out. They was like, damn, I wish I could do that. And then uh, would run into all kind of makeup artists coming to buy makeup, you know, have these conversations and stuff. And Lalette Littlejohn was one of the people who I first really talked to in New Sh- and I forgot how I knew Lalette. And, um, oh, I think I knew Lalette through Irena. Do you know Irena? Yes. Gibson hair. Yeah. yeah. yeah Irena. So Irena used to do my hair. Right, because Irena with the afro. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Irena. Irena's hair is always something. You right, know, right, but right, yeah. right. Yeah, Irena used to do my hair. So I've known Irena since... She was also kind of a mentor, oh, you know, okay. somebody that I really looked up to. And um, she wasn't in the business yet, but she just was a salon owner. Okay. Yeah, so she was doing my hair um, in high school and out of high school. And um, so I think I met Lalette through her. And so I would, when Lalette would come in and buy makeup, we started talking, you know. And so I consider Lalette definitely to be one of my first mentors, you know, outside of Irena. And... Um, you know, that kind of helped me get into the business, okay. you know, and it started with music, you know, like print music work, videos, music videos. Right. Now I really do music videos. It was more print work, okay. like print stuff, you know, and um, I remember doing something with Gerald Albright, oh. you know, back in the day. And um, and then eventually um, she brought me into um, TV and um, I worked with her on the Jamie Foxx show. Because Lalette was Jamie's Personal. Personal, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I work with both of them on Ali. Okay. Lateral. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Lala was a sweetheart. You know, she was super helpful. And um, and then I wound up meeting Judy Murdoch, who was also a mentor, you know, in bringing me into the film world. And, um, and she's Will Smith's personal. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, you know, was my entryway into both of those genres. Uh-huh. And then, you know, once you get in, now you got to start moving around and, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and meeting people and, and, and building your reputation yeah, exactly. for people to want to hire you. I, yeah, I always tell people, it's like, I'll open the door for you, but I'm not going to hold your hand and take you all the way and meet people. Yeah. Because the door is open. Yeah, people pull you in, you know, you got to show up. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to show up and you got to be ready. Yeah. And that's a problem. I remember Tyler Perry saying, which I thought was really, you know, important that he said it. And it's true. I've seen it, you know, time and time again. He said, you know, the fact that diversity is happening finally in our business. He said, but the issue I'm seeing is that a lot of us aren't ready. You know, when you get in the door, you got to be ready. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these opportunities are happening and you're getting these offers to come in, but you're not ready. Right. You know, and... You've been knocking at the door, but you yeah, haven't been doing your homework. you haven't been doing your homework, yeah. you know? And so, and, and you do see it, especially in these young people. So, but once I left, that was it. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. So I definitely struggled, you know, um, trying to make it. But sure. I did, you know, it was like, 
have to call my parents every blue moon like can you please give me <laughs> can you help me out you know right. but I was kind of determined not to do that that often you right, know because right. I wanted to be taken seriously that I you know I could take care of myself right. and I mean I did what would you describe as the sort of for lack of a better term break that got you sort of going I got a non-union film that went union and I was working with um a woman named Gloria Rubin and um ER Gloria Rubin. ER Gloria Rubin okay. yeah and she had booked a film with um Luke Perry who has since passed ah yeah but anyway um it went union and I got 24 days on it because it was low budget non-union and I needed six more days though to get in a union and um the producers were kind enough to give me the six days oh, so nice. But then I had to come up with the $3,000 to get into the union, <laughs> which I'm which like, oh, my God. Right. So once I told Gloria about what the producers did, you know, I was like, yeah, but I got to come up with this money. You know, and I literally was just saying it like, you know, and she's like, oh, I'll help you. And I was like, you will, <laughs> you know. And so she gave me $1,500 to, you know, to get started wow. so I could get in the union. And um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe three years ago, I circled back around and, and found her on IMDb, because we had lost touch over the years, and um, found her on social media, and then found her on IMDb, contacted her manager, and, and let him know I was an old friend and I was trying to reach her. So she emailed me back, and I was like, hi, you know, I wanted to just say thank you. I was like, I said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gotten the union, and I have your money, I want to pay you back. You know, so I gave her her $1,500 back and she was shocked. She was oh, like, wow. wow, thank you, you know. Yeah. But it was like, and it's true, if it wasn't for her, I yeah, just, you know, I would have not gotten in. Right. And I, and you know, when you really think about that kind of stuff, you're like, like that lady really did help me a lot, yeah, exactly. you know. So and, and for something, for you to to come full circle with it because like uh, I know this motherfucker's that owe me money now. Listen. <laughs> okay. Oh, Goddamn, motherfucker. Listen. So you know, it's it's uh, it was it, it was a great feeling to be able one to do that, right. and um, you know, so you guys still you guys still in touch? I mean, I have her number, you right. know what I mean, but yeah, yeah. not you know. I told her I think I hit her like last year and was like, hey, I'm looking for work, you know, if anything right, comes right, up, right. blah blah blah, you know. And she was like, okay, you know, and so you know, people like that, you have to just stay in touch, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. like. Just do that little net. You gotta yeah, them, you yeah. got to just hit them and just be like, because that's how I got the Channing Tatum job. Ah. I had, oh, I have a good story. <laughs> We're here for So um, I got the Channing Tatum job because when I was working on The Mother, another personal job I had, I was on Mari Hardwick's personal on The Mother with J-Lo. The Mother, that the, the film that just... J-Lo's a movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you know my girl. Who? Liz Tan. I love Liz. Come on, number one. I love Liz. I got. I, I, I got to get her in the seat. She. Yeah. We, we nope together. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Liz did. And okay. I, and I was in. Um, I met Liz on. Yeah, Liz is about her business. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. She don't play. No, she doesn't. And, she, and I respect it. it. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. she was like on it. So, yeah. um, so I was on that movie, and at the time I had an agent that I was kind of going to transition from. And, but she called me and said, you'll never believe who I just got off the phone with. And I said, who? And she said, Denzel Washington. And I was like, I said, what? And she's like, she's like, yeah, I thought it was a joke. She's like, I just talked to him for 45 minutes and he called me asking about you. I said, you're what? And I, was like, <laughs> and I said, he called you directly? So she said, yes, you know? And so anyway, 
long story short, he was calling because his makeup artist of 30 years is he, that he's had is, is going to be retiring. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow. So he's looking to replace his makeup artist. And um, I'll never forget, I immediately was like, yes, I'm interested because it was for Equalizer 3. Ooh, and which is a very good movie. Right. So I'm like, yes. So she calls back immediately. You know, it's like this process you got to get to to Denzel. So she calls back the number, you know, and says, hey, she's interested. But then I didn't hear anything for like a month. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe you got somebody else or right, like whatever. Right. So he winds up calling Omari. Denzel saw that Omari and I worked together. And um, he called him directly and asked for my number because he wanted to talk to me. So he calls me. So in the phone call, he's like, you know, I want to meet you. And I said, well, okay, when? You know. And so he says, come to the house. And this was like on a Monday. So on that Thursday, I was at the house. So I go and meet Denzel at his house so we could sit down and talk. And I'm literally at his house for like three hours. Wow. Like just to literally sit down with this man, and then Pauletta came out and sat down. We, she, you know, because I met Pauletta way back in the day when I used to have a job in the Beverly Center. It was a really high end store. She would always come in and shop, and you know, this is one of my job, many jobs that I had while I was trying to model. <laughs> and she was super nice every time she came in, you know, and super classy lady, always stylish, and you know, so she remembered. Um, I told her I was like, I remember you from Shauna Stein. It was so funny because we were sitting outside. And I said, I met Pauletta at Shauna Stein. He was like, Shauna Stein? And I was like, I said, do you remember this one? But he's like, he starts screaming Pauletta's name. <laughs> Pauletta! Pauletta! You know, like, it's just, it was so like, you know, regular folks. Right, and right, um, right. Pauletta comes down. And so, do you remember Shauna Stein? Remember Shauna Stein? You know, she was like, yeah. And so anyway, she comes and sits outside with us. And we start talking about Shauna Stein. And then we get into So she was out there for about 20 minutes talking, you know. And then Denzel took me around the whole property because, of course, it's a compound. Right, right, It's right, like, right. you know, give me the whole backstory of how he bought it, who he bought it from. And it was nothing here. And, you know, and just, you know, and they're going to sell it now because all the kids are grown. You yeah. Know? And um, so it was, just, it was nice to just sit back there and just give. It was very surreal. You right. Know, sit back there and just be kicking Like just it. regular, you're like Denzel Washington. Like I'm sitting here with you guys, like right. just kicking <laughs> and talking, you know, like. And so I, my first question was, how did you find, like, how did you find me? You know, like who referred me to you? And he said, nobody referred me. He said, I found you on IMDb. And I was like, really? And so he's like, yeah. He said, I'm going to be bald in this movie. And he said, so I was thinking, who looks good bald? And he's like, Dwayne Johnson. He said, so I went and looked and found you. And I oh, looked at wow. your resume, and I was impressed. So I called. You know, I was like, wow. I said, you called yourself. I said, wow. So we wound up having this great conversation. I get hired to do the movie. So I've gotten rid of the old agent. Now I decide I have this, because I wanted an agent who just did a one-off. Do the deal, I'm done. Right. You know, as opposed to somebody taking money out of my check every week. Right, you know. Right. So I find this new person who had just did one deal for me, a very small deal, and I'm like, okay, I got this Denzel gig. Now in the meantime, I'm hired to do Ogar too, and I'm trying to negotiate with Mark Evans, who's a producer on The Mother, that's where we met, and he's like said, I would love to have you on this movie with us, and I'm like, oh my God, I would love to come do it. Right. And so, when the Denzel call came in, that's and that was shooting in Italy. Denzel's movie shooting in Italy, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But of course, they were going to overlap. 
Right. And I'm like, ooh, you know, like, so Mark is like, listen, I told him what happened, was going on. And he's like, listen, it's Denzel. He goes, I'll let you leave early. I was like, really? You know, you would do that? He said, absolutely. So, but then the more I thought about it, I'm like, I've never worked with Denzel before. And I don't want to be so tired. You know, I got to break a script down. Right, right. Three weeks. You know, what I, mean? I just was nervous. So I was like, you know what, let me, I'm going to pass on this old guard movie. So past then, not only then, I get another call. This is all after I've accepted Denzel's offer. Right. This is before Denzel. Now I get a call to do The Fall Guy with David Leach after I accepted Denzel. So I'm like, in Australia. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know. So I talked to his wife. I'm like, yeah, just like, she's like, oh, my God, you know. And I was like, I know. So anyway, then I get a call to do them. So I get all, I'm getting all this is happening and I'm like, you know what? Like, I can't, (laughs) this is too much. I'm doing, I'm going with Denzel. (laughs) Do you know this agent loses my job? I literally wake up to an email saying that Denzel has moved on. Your agent obviously didn't understand what the studio was offering. And I'm like, literally. And this is after, it just dragged on for like three weeks and it should have been closed within a week. So anyway, it was just such, such bad, horrible communication. Right. And this man was like, listen, like, and he brought Carl back, brought his old makeup artist back. So he wound up doing it. So I lost the job. Oh. Devastated. It yeah. was like, it was honestly, it was the worst, come, worst moment in my career for me. Mm. Like the worst, because I not only lost that, gave away, so I had nothing. Right. I had nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing. Three job offers, and none of them came Three through. major job offers. Right. Got the major one I wanted, and then, you know, and so it was just devastating. And so now this is when, you know, I tell people, I'm like, listen, there is no shame in this game. You like, I had to literally start getting on the phone, right. you know, after I went through my depression and got on the phone and just started calling people. And then I remembered... Channing's people had reached out to me before after Bullet Train. But I'm like, let me call Channing's people. I just was going through my phone book, you know, and right. and boom, it just, the deal was done within a week. I was right. like... Did you do the deal yourself or did you... No, I had an agent. I got a new agent. <laughs> and new, and that I really, like, agent I went, because this lady, I never met this lady. I never seen her, nothing. She just had worked with other people that I knew. Right. And she seemed like, you know, because she had negotiated a small deal for me going out of the country, you know, for bullet trains and bullet train press. And, you know, it was fine. It was good. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, she'll be able to do this deal. Right. So, yeah, that was... That was a horrible time in my life. But, you know, Channing came and that came, you know what I mean? And that just, you know, so maybe I'll work with Denzel one day. I don't know. At least you got to go to the house. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe you needed to go through that so you can get the new agent. You know? (laughs) No. And that new agent might get you something even more juicy. Yes. No, honestly, a lot of good things happened after that. You know, once I, it it did, it did. Everything happens for a reason. I'm definitely a firm believer in that. And, um, you know, I said if it's meant to be, I'll work for him one of these days. And if not, hey, it was was a moment in my life. Needless to say, I wanted to kill somebody, but, you know. (laughs) I just let it go and um, moved on. And listen, and my dad called me. Oh, we just saw Equalizer 3. It was so good. You know they were in Italy. I was 
like, yeah, I know, Dad. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Yes, I remember. You know how much money I could have made? <laughs> I'd have been in Oh, they, yeah. They went to Lake Como, Tuscany. They were like all movie. over. It's a very good movie. I yeah. Seen it a couple weeks ago. yeah. My dad said it was really good. So, yeah. Of course it's good. It's Denzel. Right, right, right. I saw the first one. I haven't seen, I don't think I saw the Number second one. In, in the order of, of how I like them? One. One, three, three two. two. Yeah. Oh, so two's not as good. As two's I, good, but I good, think, but, but my dad said three was really good. Yeah. Okay. And one one was so good because it was just unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, and they then, didn't know what to expect. Right. And then two, two was very good, but three is just like, takes you back to one. Gotcha. And then okay. two, yeah. Yeah, I got to go see it. I haven't seen it. So now you you department head now, right? Mm-hmm. Both department head, personal key. I do it all. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So, um, who was your first big personal? Dwayne Johnson. Ah, the Rock. The Rock. How long were you with him? Or are you still about with him? three and a half years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I movies? did nine movies. Wow. Yeah. Which ones? I started with him on Baywatch. We met on Ballers because uh-huh. our department had the first two seasons of Ballers, so that's where we met. And um, his makeup artist that was his personal on there wanted getting pregnant. And so we were in Miami, and she already had a kid and was married. So I was like, oh, so she's not going to be able to. He got booked Baywatch. And so I asked his barber. I was like, hey, you know, he's not going to be able to. And she's like, I already gave your name. And I was like, oh, you did? (laughs) And I was like, okay, cool. So um, it just wound up working out. So I wound up doing him on Baywatch. And um, from Baywatch, he just was like, I really am happy with my makeup. And I, you know, while we were on Baywatch, she said, oh, he wants you to do Fast 8. And I was like, okay. Wow. You know, and then it just, you know, uh, then all the press and all the, you know, so I travel. I just didn't have a life. You know, it was the Dwayne Johnson show. Right, 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 Like, I mean, it was good. It was fun, you know, but everything evolved around his schedule, which changed a lot. You know, even though stuff was locked in, stuff would get added in or a date would change. Right. So you really kind of were... You know, but hey, I bought my house working with Dwayne, and you know, so it was it was fun. It was a blessing, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. I was with my last movie with Dwayne with Jungle Cruise. Oh, I like Jungle Cruise. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Where'd you guys shoot that? Atlanta. Okay. So I'm curious. What was the f- first time you got tapped to be um, someone's personal makeup? Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Oh, what show? Um, Kevin and I met on Central Intelligence. And uh, he did that with Dwayne. Okay, right. And I was the key makeup on that. And the department head was doing both him and Kevin. Um, but then he wound up giving me, because Kevin kept calling my name on set, asking me for stuff. He'd right. Merce, Merce. <laughs> and I would be like, you know, you know Kevin is hilarious. Right, right, right. Chapstick. And so, yeah, <laughs> chapstick. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, give me some Vaseline, right, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we work with <laughs> you on our real husbands. Yeah. <laughs> so... The makeup artist was like, here, you just take his bag. You take care of him. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, I will. You know, and so I started taking care of Kevin. And so next thing you know, Kevin comes to me and says, hey, I got a commercial coming up. You know, would you would you want to do my makeup? And I was like, oh, you know. So I was like, I went to the department here. And I was like, hey, you know, he's asking me to do this commercial. Are you cool? And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't care. Right. And I was like, okay. So it was a big commercial with David Beckham for H&M. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah. So Kevin and I started, you know, working together. And I did a couple of those commercials with him. And um, and then he got Jumanji. Oh, Yeah, wow. he got Jumanji first. Oh, before? Yeah, before and then, the yeah, and while I was working with Dwayne, 
Dwayne asked me, I'll never forget he was in the chair, and he said, hey, so I'm going to do Jumanji. He goes, I know you're probably going to be doing Kevin. You, can you, you think you'd be able to do me too? And I was like, I said, really? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, of course, you know? <laughs> and I was like, Kevin doesn't really wear makeup anyway, you know? So right. I was like, so the first Jumanji, I was doing both of them, oh, okay. which I will never do again, having two major people, right. even though, you One know what I mean? Two, it's right? just, it's a, it's a lot to do, you know? And, um, but we had a blast. It was fun. You know, right. they were both great. And so, yeah, so I would say Kevin, um, also, actually, before Kevin, D.L. Hughley. Ah, you yeah, know, D.L. I, yeah. I did D.L. for a lot of stuff. Yeah, he would call me because we met on the Hughleys. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, I met D.L. on Studio 60. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's yeah, my yeah. They're all good guys. You yeah. know, I've been really lucky. Boris Kojo. Ah, I was I doing stuff Boris with him. On, uh, we work with Boris on Real Husbands. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I I've, I've had some, you know, some pretty good some pretty good males, you know, under my belt. I just did a movie with Channing Tatum, who was lovely. That was okay. his personal. Nice. Yeah. That was my last job before the strike. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we all Thank have God I worked four months. <laughs> Everyone's going to remember that last right, job. Right, that last <laughs> job, you know. Wow. We ran out of time real quick. You know? I know. Wasn't that good? <laughs> you see, that's... This when you're having fun. Right, exactly. So, um, uh, Abby's up. And that is, what is, uh, Merce, what is MMA3? What are you watching these days? My favorite show that I just finished, I'm a big Taylor Sheridan fan right now. So, if you haven't seen it, Special Ops Lioness is great. Yo, I've, I've been, I've, I've seen the, um... I've seen the advertisement, but I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, it's a really good show. And I just finished Top Boy, too. Have you Top watched Top Boy on Netflix? No, isn't that? Which one is it's that? It's a British, uh, like, it's a TV uh, show. gangsters, right? Yeah, it's like gangsters. Peaky Blinders in uh, London, okay. you know, in, in black underground London. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, if, you see, if you know Peaky Blinders. Yeah. I, love, I love crime, drama, you know, when I watch TV. I like to be entertained. Like Horrors. The, you did grow up in L.A., right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I love the sweet comedy romances, too. You know, The Notebook, love that movie. Right. You know, it's like, but I'm, I'm a big crime. Like, I can go to sleep on Law & Order right. anytime. Boom, 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 you know, boom. yeah. SVU, only right. SVU. Well, that means the martini's up. Martini being, um, who would you like to hear on this show? I think Deborah Denevere would give you a great story. Okay. Makeup artist, Deborah who I just work with. Yeah, her stories are crazy. Yeah. She's worked with everybody. <laughs> so you'll yeah. definitely run out of time talking to her. Okay, okay. Deborah Denevere. Deborah Denevere. Right. I mean, she just did Project Artemis with me. Okay. Um, she was everybody's personal. I mean, Jennifer Garner, what's his name? Colin Farrell. Oh, wow. Um, James Woods, Scarlett Johansson. All you know, right. yeah, she's really cool. Well, I think we got it. Yep. And that's a wrap on Merce Arsenault. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Thank you, Absolutely. Mars. Thank you, guys. <laughs>that was a pretty cool story I like that story how she got the job with uh, Channing Tatum right through uh, <laughs> through Denzel Washington <laughs> right and you know what I found interesting is that we've known each other almost a little over 20 years and I didn't know she was a model and you know I didn't know she had spent that time in Europe and that was just amazing to hear it and it's crazy like you know you, you, these conversations have been really cool to be able to 
have good friends and still find out things about them. Yeah, through those 10 years, being a young professional, being a, a young um, model of color in the you know late 80s, I think that's probably what helped her be as successful as she's been in this industry. Yeah. Uh, people have to understand there's a lot of no's in this business. Yeah, and that was a big no when she didn't get the job. Right, exactly. With, with Denzel, and it just turned into another job, and you keep it moving. Exactly, you keep it moving. All right, well, thanks, Marcia. We appreciate you. Keeping it moving. Next week, we have for our guest Rick Seeloff, set decorator. Uncle Ricky. Rick worked on all six seasons of Snowfall with us. Yep. And Rick's a uh, first Gulf War veteran. Yeah. Thank you for your service, my brother. And Rick's a native of Detroit. He's worked um, on Grey's Anatomy, mm -hmm. like we said, Snowfall, and he even traveled on tour with Barbara Streisand. Yep. Hey, if you like the show, hit the subscribe button, follow us, and thanks for listening. My name is Spoon. We'll be back next week. And this is BC. Thanks again. And we'll see you on the next one.